You're a busy provider trying to stay current with the latest HIV testing, prevention, and treatment guidelines, and your pockets are overflowing with note cards. You need a convenient, trustworthy source for HIV testing, treatment, prevention, and care protocols. All healthcare professionals have a role in stopping HIV. Introducing HIV Care Tools from the AIDS Education and Training Center program. The HIV Care Tools mobile app is simple, free, and fully functional offline or online. It features quick guides for HIV prevention, screening, testing, diagnosis, and treatment. HIV Care Tools provides common clinical calculators used in HIV management and provide validated screening tools for comorbidities such as depression, substance use disorders, and PTSD. And if you need clinician-to-clinician consultation, HIV Care Tools provides one-touch access to free clinical consultation services by a multidisciplinary team of experts. Take us with you. Download HIV Care Tools today. Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Braitman. Today, I'm sitting down with John Farragon to talk about the risk of contracting hepatitis C for people with HIV. Welcome again, John. Yeah, thanks, Mariana. Happy to be back. So, John, we have definitely covered HCV treatment in the past, and I know one of the most important issues is that most of the patients, whether it's someone with HIV or not, do very well with vast majority or at least 90%, maybe even 95% attaining an SVR, a sustained virologic response, or an HCV cure, which is quite amazing. But now, a recent article in the Lancet Journal talked about the risk of HCV reinfection in people with HIV. So can you talk a little bit about what they discussed? Yeah, so this is an article um, that was published in the Lancet in June of 2022, early June. And so I just want to kind of reiterate kind of what you said in the intro here. Um, I think we all understand anybody who's doing hepatitis C treatment, especially in and people um, uh, with HIV, persons living with HIV, uh, the benefits of these direct acting antivirals towards the elimination of hepatitis C in people living with HIV are, are really well known. And the, the medications have really worked well. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, 90, 95%, these are incredible sustained virologic response rates that we see. And if you remember back in the day when we just had pegylated interferon plus ribavirin, the, those, um, uh, those treatments are really hard to tolerate. And you'd be lucky if you get maybe 60 or 70% of people to cure. Uh, but now the numbers are really, really quite incredible with hepatitis C. But one of the real realities and one of the problems, what I think with hepatitis C is the issue with reinfection. And um, this kind of negates all the benefits and all the initial success uh, of treatment. And, and really from a public health perspective, um, it prevents our efforts to maybe someday end hepatitis C. And I think when you look at the numbers, you know, this is potentially a, um, a curable disease over time. We potentially may be able to eradicate hepatitis C. If we get the, the right people, um, you know, the right um, policymakers to kind of put the, put the effort into it to make sure this happens, that, you know, it really could happen. Um, especially if these people go on uh, that are cured, if they go on to share needles or engage in unprotected sex and they get reinfected, it really does kind of hamper our efforts to, uh, to ultimately end hepatitis C. Um, so for these patients, it's a little bit more complex um, because you know we need some data to see what happens with them. And there have been reinfection data that's certainly out there and people have discussed reinfection. 
But this article in particular looked at this system uh, systematically. And, and what this did, what this is, is what we call a meta-analysis, where they actually look at multiple studies across different um, different platforms, different um, different databases, and also different populations. And they say, and they say, you know, what's the reinfection rate and what are some of the factors associated with that? Um, so that's really the important piece. So this article really looks at this systematically. It reviews the current evidence of hepatitis C reinfection risk um, after treatment among people living with HIV. And this also includes people who inject drugs and men who have sex with men. And I think more importantly, this article really looks to identify some of the factors and explain some of the um, heterogeneity in the incidence of hepatitis C reinfection. So really an important article, I think, um, because it's not just one, it's not just one article. The meta-analysis kind of looks at multiple articles and kind of pulls them together and kind of aggregates the data and says, you know, what's actually happening. Some people now there's some there's always some method method issues with uh, meta-analysis and concerns about how they selected the studies, et cetera. But, you know, overall, I think it's a really well done study and usually things that get published in the Lancet and Lancet HIV are usually of a, of a decent caliber. So how is this all done? Yeah. So basically what they did, Mariana, for this study is that they searched databases. So there's a lot of databases that you can look at for articles and for abstracts. So one of them is PubMed, um, Scopus is another one, Web of Science, Cochrane databases, PsycInfo. Um, and they also looked at conference, conference presentations through roughly the middle of January of, uh, of this year, 2022. And they looked for clinical trials and cohort studies that are providing data, basically, to calculate the incidence of hepatitis C reinfection following hepatitis C treatment. So really what they want to know is in these studies, when they pull them all together, what's the incidence of reinfection in different populations and, and you know, after these patients have been, quote unquote, cured from hepatitis C? And what did they find? Yeah, so so they found there was they, they looked at 41 studies. So when they went back and looked at the, the criteria, they had set criteria for how they were going to do it. They found 41 different studies. Uh, most of these were conducted in Europe um, with a total of uh, just over 9,000 participants. So again, combining all those different studies, 9,000 people. And then what they did was they calculated the incidence ratio on average for all those studies put together. And this is the interesting piece of it is these are some of the data. So I think we think that reinfection rates are, are I don't know what people think, but I sometimes I, I don't feel like we have had a significant number of reinfections in, in our population here in Albany. But again, if you're in the city or you're in um, higher populated pop, you know, areas, this might, might be an issue. Now notice also that this is also in Europe. So you have, you know, um, uh, you know there, there are certain countries that may actually have higher rates of reinfection overall. But what they found, 3.76, so just under four, 3.75 cases for every 100-person years of follow-up uh, among people living with HIV were, were reinfected. So basically what that means, if you follow um, um, you know, a, a 100 people for, uh, for, for a year, you'd have about three to seven, three to 4% of, of patients would, would get reinfected if they had HIV. Um, so persons living with HIV, what's their rate? It's, it's around three to 4% roughly overall. Uh, and here it's 3.76. Particularly if you look at MSM, it goes up to around six, 6%. So the reason why that is, I think, is because, you know, we, we often forget about the sexual transmission of, of hepatitis C, and that certainly does happen, um, and that's obviously more likely to occur in men having sex with men. It's a known, it's a known risk factor for, for, for hepatitis C. And if you look at just among people who inject drugs, it's 3.29, it's a little bit lower, but again, still, still similar numbers. So roughly 3% for inject, injecting drugs, overall 375 
it's and it's definitely higher, close to six and just over six percent um, for for those uh, living uh, who living with uh, or so among people who uh, are, are men having sex with men. So what they also looked at too is that they look at the instance of reinfection um, following interferon based therapy as well, and that was four point nine two, so just under five cases for hundred years of follow up, and then. For direct antiretro, direct acting antiviral, so the oral medications that we're using now, it's uh, it's it's three point eight eight. So again, a little bit, just a little bit higher for those who um, on interferon-based therapy versus those on direct acting therapy. So it actually helps us to look at that too. So I don't, I don't know if that's a significant difference, but it is, it is a little bit lower for people who have direct acting antiviral therapy. Now, personally, if you ask me, that has nothing to do with the drugs that they're using. It probably has more to do with whoever, you know, whatever risk factor those patients have that are in those individual studies and what their risk of hepatitis C. I think once you cure hep C, I think we know this, whether it's using interferon ribavirin back in the day or whether we're using the direct acting antivirals, you know, the, the risk of, of reinfection or at least of relapses is, is almost, you know, is, is zero probably. And then the reinfection rate, you know, is probably gonna be similar. Um, and also what they looked at, if you looked at the men having sex with men in the study, um, a higher proportion of those patients um, and those with recent hepatitis C infection were associated with an increased incidence of reinfection. So the longer the duration of follow-up after treatment was associated with a decreased incidence. So basically, the, the reinfection rates are more likely to occur early on in people who are men having sex with men. Um, and that's probably related to um, risk factors. Now, one thing that's not listed here and it's not talked about here and something that I think is a, is a factor here is, um, is honestly PrEP. Right, so obviously we know that if we use condoms, probably the risk of hepatitis C would likely be reduced. But now with the use of PrEP, even if, if you're if you're living with HIV, but if you're not living with HIV and you're MSM, um, the, the issue here potentially could be um, that if you're on PrEP, you know you may not be using condoms, and your risk of hepatitis C may be higher, especially for even reinfections, because you're not you're not protecting yourself um, from um, from hepatitis C with any PrEP medication, right, or any any, any medication to prevent hepatitis C. So that's really a, a kind of an, un, an un, uncharted water is, you know, using these drugs potentially for, for hepatitis C prep for people who are at high risk. And that's something I think we have to kind of think about in the future. So John, what does this all mean for people with HIV and HIV care providers? Yeah, so kind of pulling this all together, I think most importantly, I think we need to continue to address risk reduction in people, uh, persons with HIV who are cured of hepatitis C to really prevent those reinfections, and particularly not just uh, risk reductions aimed at um, people who inject drugs, but also MSM who may be engaged in unprotected sex, okay? So again, remember, we also talk not only not only just about PrEP, but also U equals U, right? We tell people you won't transmit the virus if you're undetectable, especially sexually, right? So these are things to think about um, that there are other, not only STIs, but potentially even hepatitis C is, uh, and, and that can actually be, uh, you know, there's a risk of hepatitis C transmission if you're not, if you're not protecting. Um, so as you can see from this, the analysis, the risk of hepatitis C reinfection really following treatment in pe persons with HIV was highest among those who are MSMs and those with recent hepatitis C infection. So the earlier you've been, you know, quote unquote cured and MSM as a risk factor had higher rates of, of reinfection. And I think also, I think the important piece is scale up of hepatitis C treatment and also ongoing screening and treatment of infections in this population should really uh, reduce viremic burden and risk of reinfection. I think that's another important piece for that we need to continue to do, um, especially those people who have not been identified as having Hep C. Making sure that if, if even if they're not injecting drugs, but they're but they're having 
uh, unprotected sex and their men having sex with men, making sure that we screen people. And I would argue heterosexual patients as well. You know, people who have an unprotected sex should have STI screenings, but also we should be thinking about hepatitis C more in that population as well. I mean, if you're doing an HIV test, you should probably be doing hepatitis C too. And I encourage this at our institution all the time. I tell people, if you're going to HIV test them, you should be hepatitis, do the hepatitis panel as well. So you're picking up potentially hepatitis B or Hepatitis C. Well, Hep B, at least most people are vaccinated. But um, in addition, the ASLD guides, guidelines also address this, and data in their guidance suggests that uh, patients who do receive this cure or achieve this uh, SVR can have hepatitis C recurrence due to reinfection at five years. The numbers are um, 1% in low risk Hep C monoinfected, it's 11% in high risk hepatitis C monoinfection. That includes people who have formally injected drugs in prison uh, or men who have sex with men and uh, also um, uh, co-infected patients. And it's actually even a little bit higher in some of those in some of those higher, higher risk populations. Um, they recommend at least annual testing for hep C reinfection among patients with ongoing risk for hep C infection. So again, if you're continuing to use drugs and you continue to have high risk sexual exposure, even though you've been cured for hepatitis C, they do recommend screening. Now, it's important that you have to remember that the antibody test will always be positive and most clinicians know this. So really for screening for people who have had hep C in the past, that antibody will always be positive. You really have to do a viral load to know for sure if they have hepatitis C. And if that comes back positive, then you would know right away. Um, in addition, they also recommend uh, any flares and liver uh, immunotransaminase levels should really prompt immediately evaluation for hep C reinfection. Um, but I think more importantly, Marianne, I think we all should be aware that hep C antibody Again, it remains positive and you have to do that, that, that other assay to make sure that you're picking up hepatitis C RNA. But the point here is that making sure that for, um, for the amount of time that we spend trying to get these drugs sometimes approved for patients, making sure that they actually take them, uh, making sure that they're cured. You, know, you, you don't have to do a ton of monitoring anymore. There's these min, this MinMon study that's been done, which really shows if you're using I think they use that clues in that study, but you know, I think any of these drugs are really well tolerated. Patients do pretty well. You know, eight to twelve weeks of therapy, once a day treatments. That you know, patients do great, and and they you know the the minimal side effects with these meds. It's really a no brainer to make sure that we treat people. But the next step is once they've been treated, especially cirrhotics, make sure they have pedocellular carcinoma screening. But more importantly, here uh, for everybody, especially those who continue to engage in high-risk activities that we continue to monitor them and make sure that they don't get reinfected with hep C. And then if they do, uh, obviously, you know, rapidly get them treated again for, for hepatitis C if, if that's, um, if that's, if that's in, the, in the medical plan. John, thanks so much for joining us and telling us all about how hepatitis C is affecting the HIV community. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AETC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaatc.org. That's www.necaaetc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaatc.org. Stay safe and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know.
This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.